Hi, I'm J. Daniel Sawyer. As a reader, I love great coming-of-age stories and great adventure stories, especially ones with big ideas and lots of heart. But the books that last generation to generation? Those are the ones that grab me as a writer, too, because they're doing something special. They've gotten something right. They've transcended their era and touched the future. What writer doesn't want to do that? One writer did that, and in so doing, he helped end the draft, create two major literary categories, and motivate the first astronauts to chase their dream of walking on the moon. He did it in a series of 12 books plus two, and his name was Robert A. Heinlein. I wanted to know how he pulled that off, and now I've laid the secrets bare. Sit back and enjoy this excerpt from my new book for writers, science fiction fans, and teachers, The Secrets of the Heinlein Juvenile. Enduring Stories Each life begins with a tragedy. Mine was literary in nature. I was four years old when I read my first book on my own, and I never looked back. When I was five, after having lost my first dog and consequently learned about life expectancy, I visited a bookstore with my father and had the first cripplingly tragic epiphany I can remember. There are more books in the world than I will ever have time to get to. My early ambition to read every book ever written was dashed at my feet, and in response I left the bookstore loaded down with every book my meager wallet could afford, as well as a few I prevailed upon my father to buy, simply because their covers looked cool. I was banking them for the future. All of these were too thick and too adult for me to get through, which I could tell from the level of vocabulary on display on the dust flaps. An early rage against the dying of the light. An ultimately futile quest, but ultimate futility isn't a concept most of us come to grips with until much later. Most books, let's face it, are not really worth the time it takes to read them. Which ones are worth your time depends on hundreds of discrete factors, all of which interact with each other and form your own personal taste map. In the years since... I've had the joy of pawing my way through a few thousand books and of scribbling out a little over thirty of my own. Since I started writing professionally, my tastes have shifted. More non-fiction research, and more carefully selected fiction divided into two camps. One, those things I hope to learn from, and two, those things I read for pleasure. These aren't discrete categories. In fact, over the years they've merged, largely as the result of developing some tests to help me figure out what books are worth serious consideration, and on what level. 1. Popularity A book that hits it out of the park is doing something right, even if it's just tapping into a transitory fad. 2. Too daring a book that does something ahead of its time may never pass the popularity test, but it gets whispered about. These books are doing something special and worth learning from. They're also frequently enjoyable in offbeat ways that the popular books rarely are. 3. Enduring 
If a book has survived more than two generations, something about it is special. Sometimes that thing is simply a result of initial popularity. It got popular because it hit a transitory fad, but it turns out the fad was not as transitory as it might have appeared at the time. The world it was written in hasn't changed enough for the book to fall out of favor and out of style, and since parents like passing dearly loved stories, movies, books, songs, etc., onto their children, if a book has that kind of temporally bound relevance, it endures. Books like To Kill a Mockingbird or A Wrinkle in Time fall into this category. But sometimes there is something else at play. A book touches on something vital and eternal about the human experience. It helps provide a metaphorical lens through which to understand the world and one's experience of it. It provides a flavor of delight that's difficult to find. Something about the book endures and endures and endures, generation after generation. It remains in print, rarely, if ever, hitting the bestseller list, but continuing like a perennial herb that flowers every summer. These latter sort are the books that parents preserved from their own childhood and lovingly passed the very copies they once read down to their children. Books like The Hobbit, The Odyssey, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, The War of the Worlds, The Adventures of Robin Hood, and 12 plus 2 books from the middle of the 20th century. These books, written by Robert Heinlein for Scribner's, and sometimes also for Boy's Life, a scouting magazine, are collectively known as the Heinlein Juveniles. They were aimed at boys aged 12 to 18, and on the surface, they had more differences from each other than similarities. They don't take place in a shared world in the rigorous sense. They don't share any characters with one another. Their world-building is oddly anachronistic, and was, even at the time they were written. They aren't all rip-roaring adventures. Some of them are, and some feature almost no action at all. Some have happy endings, some don't. Some have intact multi-generational families, some feature orphans, one features an emancipated minor, one features a slave. Six feature romances of significance to the plot. Time for the Stars, The Star Beast, Starman Jones, Between Planets, The Menace from Earth, and Citizen of the Galaxy. But even in these, they are not all requited. Some tease romance but don't develop it, and some feature no romance whatsoever. Some are rags-to-riches stories. Some are riches-to-rags stories. Some center around conflicts with parents, others with kidnappers, others with bureaucracy, others with overweening ambition. Themes vary from impossible quests and teamwork, to duty and honor, to individualism and freedom, to death and loss and victimization, to humiliation before godlike powers. And yet, despite all those differences, they all feel, somehow, a peace with one another. Stranger still, They have in common some features that would surely get them a rejection note, or at least heavy editorial revisions. They wouldn't sell in the current environment, and yet they do.
sell, continually. Heinlein himself, to say the least, is a controversial figure. He was a difficult, pugnacious man with the social sensibilities of a southern gentleman at a time when those sensibilities were both out of favor and associated with southern racism. Yet he was a virulent anti-racist. He was an ardent, property-centric libertarian who chaired a socialist political campaign. He was unflinchingly brutal to people he perceived as enemies, and yet he routinely gave money to other writers in need, even ones who had publicly insulted him. More puzzling to modernize still, he was an anti-sexist egalitarian of a sort that feels, well, pretty damn sexist to modern sensibilities. Footnote. Specifically, Heinlein's adult novels are often, but not exclusively, populated by very competent, socially adept, genius-level, highly independent women who hold political office, run businesses, do important scientific research, are excellent engineers, speak many languages, exemplify their profession, are highly and broadly sexed, yet are what today is called baby-crazy, and are often quite submissive and manipulative in domestic contexts. Often the same heroine who will snap her partner down like a drill sergeant in the area of her expertise will then turn around with a demure, yes, dear, when he plays the husband card. Odd as this combination of traits may sound today, this wasn't an uncommon view for a bohemian man whose young adulthood coincided with the Roaring Twenties, the first sexual revolution, and it did comport largely with Heinlein's personal experience up through his mid-thirties. This view is also found, to one extent or another, in the writings of other American and French bohemian liberationists, i.e. artist-activists devoted to free love, racial mixing, and women's equality, of the period, from Henry Miller and Anais Nin to Edna St. Vincent Millay. However, subsequent cultural developments have revealed this view, and the experience it was based on, reflected, in some measure, a culturally and temporally unique expression of a certain, and fairly unusual, feminine type that was highly adapted to the bohemian milieu of the 1920s, and not the eternal reality of womanhood as Heinlein and his contemporaries might have imagined. Many exceptions to this general type litter Heinlein's books. A highly visible exception in his later period can be found in Margareth, the female lead in Job, a comedy of justice. A radical at the beginning of his life, and apparently a reactionary at the end, yet still writing books that needled the sensibilities of his audience because some of his views were too progressive even for the late 20th century. His adult fiction dealt with themes like racism, sexism, incest, sexual freedom, elective transgenderism, economics, war, genocide, rape, and slavery in ways that continue to make readers of all stripes distinctly uncomfortable. A glance through his private papers reveals that if there was one thing he loved more than entertaining people and earning a paycheck, it was annoying his readers as he did so, and he went to great lengths to court offense. A troll, before the term was invented. He was a walking stack of contradictions, and because of all these things and more, the audience for his adult fiction, especially his later works, has shrunk as the years have passed since his death. But the audience for his juveniles continues to grow, 
While many of the books we love as teenagers, whether written for that audience or not, become embarrassments to readers as we age because of their treatment of cultural or sexual issues, Heinlein's Juveniles are among those few books for teenagers that adults fall in love with as children and can still read without embarrassment as adults. And they continue to enchant each new generation that encounters them. Why do they do this? And what can we learn from them as readers and as writers? What was the special witch's brew that Heinlein stumbled upon to such great effect? I have devoted a decade of my life to studying the Heinlein juveniles, and in the process, I have untangled the puzzle. What follows is not a critical deconstruction of the books, but an exploration and explication of the form. It's a literary study in the older sense, an attempt to understand why these books work and endure as they do, so that it may finally be accessible to new writers who can continue to develop the form out into the future. Why? Aside from my obvious interest as a writer, I believe there is something special in these stories, some elements unique to them, some common to an earlier period of juvenile literature, and all of them missing from the young adult, Y.A., fiction that sold so wildly starting with the Harry Potter boom and continuing through to the post-boom years in which I now write. I have come to believe that these elements make the difference between enduring works and transitory ones. I have come to believe that these elements missing from contemporary YA works are partly to blame for the cultural unraveling and rootlessness we are currently witnessing. And I believe that YA literature has a significant part to play in reintegrating the cultures of the English-speaking world, in getting its left hand and right hand to talk to one another again, of healing the chasms that now regularly open between generations, and in reinvigorating the citizens of democratically arranged governments across the world. These elements are not partisan, and they are not political, except occasionally in the most basic sense of the polis being a body to which we owe allegiance for our survival. They are deeper than that, and they favor no faction but humanity itself. But to understand why I think that, and how these stories are built, we first need to look briefly at what came before the Heinlein Juvenile. Y.A. versus Juvenile. What's the difference? While the distinction between a juvenile novel and a young adult novel is largely one of language changing over time, those changes have coincided with a few other developments worth noting. Currently, novel-length children's literature is broken up into two target audiences, middle grade and young adult. Middle grade books are targeted at the elementary and middle school demographic and are generally written with a highly constrained vocabulary and must stay within pretty stringent content bounds while young adult books feature protagonists aged 14 to 19 and are ostensibly directed at a high school target audience. To understand the disjuncture from a content and convention point of view, think of the difference between the first three Harry Potter books, decidedly middle grade, and the last four, all young adult novels. 
However, while middle grade books are, indeed, mostly read by their target audience, young adult fiction is more frequently... not. These days, most young adult books are read by, and written for, middle-aged readers on a nostalgia kick, and their content and concerns reflect this. This trend appears to be fairly new, starting with the YA boom kicked off by Harry Potter and kicking into high gear with Stephanie Meyer's Twilight series. To brand a book as YA in the current environment requires only one factor, a teenage protagonist. A juvenile, on the other hand, is a book meant to be read by readers, ranging in age from 12 to 19, is in some sense a coming-of-age story, and is deeply embedded in the adolescent perspective and experience. The reader is meant to grow up with the protagonist. Some YA literature falls into this category, even some of it written today, and some does not. Since Heinlein's books for boys were of this sort, they and those like them will be referred to as juveniles throughout this volume. The terms YA and young adult will only be used when referring to the broader landscape of such books that includes, but is not limited to, juveniles. Want more? Go to www.heinleinsecrets.com and support the Kickstarter campaign to fund publication of The Secrets of the Heinlein Juvenile, plus workbooks and other goodies to raise your game as a writer and as a reader. That's www.heinleinsecrets.com.